Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And so, Sarah, what do you think about Natalie? What are your opinions of her? Um, to be honest with you, I, I, I didn't care for Natalie in the beginning just because of, you know, our introduction to each other. It was not a nice introduction. Tell me about the conversation you and Natalie had when you first connected. So I was taking him to pick up my wedding cake. And Michael asked me if I wanted to meet Natalie over FaceTime. And I said, sure, why not? And she introduced herself and she said hi and she told me congratulations. And then she asked me if um, all American women were whores or if it was just me. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, 90 Day Fiance, Seeking Sister Wife, and Sister Wives Edition. Ooh, let's start off with 90 Day Fiance. The finale is here. The final finale is here. I could not be happier. I feel like a weight is about to be lifted off of me as soon as I finish recording this. Y'all, I'm so happy to not be talking about 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> um... If you guys don't know, I'm not going to be talking about Happily Ever After. If they come up with another season that is intriguing to me, I'll ride that wave. But until then, your girl's out. So let's finish up with this finale. So really, there was... what it, The only people we really talked about were Tariq and Hazel, Mike and Natalie, and Andrew. Well, not even really Andrew. Mostly Amira, right? So let's start off with Mike and Natalie. Sarah, the infamous Sarah, comes back. She is the girl who, a uh, woman who, Mike, it says that they are friends. It's always been a platonic situation between them. 
he was in her wedding. Um, a lot of contention that happens between Mike and Natalie be happens because of the pre-wedding night. He spent the night over at Natalie's, excuse me, at Sarah's house. And Natalie was under the impression that Sarah's soon-to-be husband was going to be staying at the house and everything would be fine. Come to find out, the husband did not show up. According to Sarah, she was pretty vague about what happened. It seemed like maybe some sort of drama happened. She didn't really want to get into it. But she pretty much corroborates everything that Mike says. <clears throat> there were, according to her, a bunch of people at the house. She and Mike have never had a thing with each other. That's, you know, there's really nothing to be said about that. They definitely didn't hook up. She said... If Natalie heard me say I'm going to take a shower, it was probably because it was my wedding day. I had a bunch of people at the house and I just said it out loud. Now we have to talk about Julia. Julia of Brandon and Julia seems to have a lot of opinions about everybody else. And it's annoying. <laughs> like, Tariq also had a lot of things to say about people. But Tariq is somebody who is intelligent and thinks critically whereas julia is just like messy and clearly very misogynistic and ew, she made me really uncomfortable rubbed me the wrong way and to the point like where i want to take back every good thing i said about her like clearly brandon's family you know birds of a feather brussels griffins of a feather flock together on that weird swinger ranch of theirs so Julia says, oh, you should never believe women. <laughs> okay. And that, you know, it's completely impossible in her mind that a man and woman could be friends without one of one or the other having feelings for each other. Okay, girl. So Sean Robinson asks Sarah how she felt, how she feels about Natalie. And Sarah's like, well, I didn't really like her at first because... The first impression that I had from her was not great. And then Sarah tells a story about how she was going to get something for the wedding. And she was with Mike. Mike had gone with her to get, I think she said the wedding cake or something like that. Natalie called. Mike is like, oh, I'll introduce you to Natalie. And over FaceTime, right? So Sarah gets on the phone and she says, you know, at first Natalie was really friendly and says oh you know congratulations blah 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 and then she says that natalie asked her are all Amer american women whores or if, is it just you <laughs> and sarah says at that point they got into a screaming match natalie says that she did not make that horror comment she does say things escalated very quickly we did have a very heated conversation i never said anything about her being a whore i never said that based on natalie's reaction I almost believe her. I don't know. Something about, you know, Natalie has the eyes of like a medium sized pizza and they tell a story and I don't know, like maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> but I kind of believe that she didn't say that. I believe Natalie did say that she said something not very nice, but that she did not call her a whore. I don't know, you guys. I believe Natalie. I really do. Um, gosh, I don't know. I, she said that she just asked where her husband was. Who's to say? Uh, like I said, Natalie completely denies it. I, that was really it. That was really it. Sarah does this like 
oh, I think she said like good night, B to Mike, and he said good night, be back. I hate when the women who are like the you know, for lack of a better phrase, other women in the situation, like with Colt um, and all these women that he had on the side. It's just like, they're always nasty <laughs> and like rude. And I just don't think it's really all of that, but maybe it is. I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. Bye, Mike and Natalie. Moving on to Tariq and Hazel. Tariq's explaining explaining polyamory to the rest of the cast and everybody's pretty much closed-minded everybody really showed their ass this week it from jovi brandon julia yara a little bit um even rebecca at times ziad said something i didn't really like um he was like oh that's gross that's weird like you shouldn't be polyamorous you know guys live and let live right live and let live to be honest with you, I thought Tariq made a very, like I said, like intelligent, not creepy case for polyamory. And even through all that, they were like, ew, <laughs> like you guys are weird. Um, They, and by they, I mean, Hazel and Tariq both want to make it very clear. Their intentions for, you know, being, having an open relationship, being a polyamorous couple is not like they're not sex fiends. You know, and it's something that happens pretty often around the world with people who are in a relationship. They open it up to somebody else. There's another woman or another man. And, you know, it's not really like they they're these like completely weird, rare breed of people. Hazel says that she loves Tariq and she loves their relationship. But Tariq knows that she likes women, too, and she's attracted to them. Tariq says, you know, for him, polyamory is not a lifestyle choice in the sense of it being something that he required of all of his relationships, but he says that he had been in a polyamorous relationship before. So then they bring on Minty, the woman who was, uh, they kind of were courting, but then things didn't work out. Minty is a lot like Sarah. Shady rude to Hazel, like really clearly trying to get under her skin. And it's annoying. And Hazel was annoyed. Minty's being like real, like fake nice. And she's like, you know, I think Hazel's beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Sean asks Minty, why do you think Hazel doesn't like you? And Minty says, you know, it's because Hazel's used to being number one. I took attention away from that. And also, I'm not really attracted to women. I'm more attracted to men. So that's what her theory is. Hazel puts her head back and like rolls her eyes like, girl, can we, are we done? <laughs> then Minty drops the bomb because Sean asks, when was the last time you spoke to Tariq? And Minty's like, earlier today. <laughs> so apparently what happened, now correct me if I'm wrong, didn't, Tariq have a conversation with his friend and say promise to his friend like it's not really worth it to keep talking to Minty if it's going to make Hazel feel some type of way didn't he say during the season that he was going to delete her number I'm confused so apparently Hazel put them on a group chat and said if you're going to communicate with Minty 
do so on the group chat so that I can see everything. Whether I don't care if it's an emergency, I don't care if like you guys are just whatever. All of these conversations need to be had. So Minty really tried to make it seem like, oh, we're having these like conversations on the side and Hazel doesn't know, but are you? I mean, that's the question that Sean should have asked. Minty, do you have an additional chat with text chain with uh, Tariq? Like, are y'all texting on the side and not in this group chat? That was the question that really needed to be asked. Um, so then they have a conversation about how Hazel says that Tariq told her that he would never delete Minty's number. And they really go back and forth as to whether or not he said that. And Hazel's like, okay, so you calling me a liar? And he's like, no. She's like, well, do you have amnesia? Because that's exactly what she said. He denies it. That's really it. There was really not much to talk about them. <sighs> I I kind of wish that they were on stage because I feel like we would have gotten a lot more of Tariq being intelligent and Hazel. I would have, we didn't hear really any of her comments and feelings about any of the rest of the cast members. I would have liked them to speak up more and I wish that they had been able to be present. All right, moving on, last and certainly least, Andrew and Amira. So when we left off last episode, the first part of the tell-all, Andrew was doing a, a housewives walkout and saying that he didn't want to talk to Amira. He didn't, sorry, he felt like he and Amira should be able to talk together. And he wanted his chance to communicate with her, blah, blah, blah. Now, I have to issue a retraction because Rebecca brought up an incredible point that I will be bringing up in just a second. So back to Andrew. He's in the minivan. Production's trying to negotiate with him. They say, okay, we'll try to talk to Amira about having you on stage while she's being interviewed. So production calls Amira and they tell her Andrew walked off. And... Uh, Amira's like, okay, well, good. You know, like, if he leaves, he leaves. She does, like, a side interview and says, you know, he really makes me feel scared. I'm fearful of him. I don't like him. I don't want anything to do with him. I do not want to communicate with this man at all. It seems like there's a lot of emotional baggage that she carries from her interaction and her relationship with Andrew, and I don't blame her. So Sean asks the rest of the cast how they feel about Andrew walking off. And Julia says, well, I feel sorry for him because, you know, he's all alone and nobody's there to support him. You know, even though she says when she was watching the season, she basically thought he was a bad guy. But now she's going on like some true ugh, of, you know, he just looks like such a nice guy. Like, and now I feel sorry for him. That is so yuck. <laughs> then Jovi says, you know, if maybe they were both on stage in person, I could understand why Amira would feel the way she feels. But if he's, you know, if she's reporting via Skype, I don't really understand what it's a big, you know, what's the problem. Um, so then Rebecca, and this is what I'm talking about. She speaks up and says, you know, I don't know if the rest of you guys heard this, but Andrew said something really concerning right before he walked off. And what he said was, that the only reason why he came here was to be able to talk to Amira. And then Rebecca says, you know, at first, I didn't really think that was that bad. But when you factor in 
Amira being very adamant about not wanting to see him and then him saying that the only reason why he came here was to be able to get in contact with her. I just feel really uncomfortable about that. And I just felt like something like something about that was off. And Brandon was like, yeah, you're right. When you put it like that, that does sound weird. So like I said, Andrew still posted up in the back of a minivan and they can't come to a consensus on what happened. And he says, you know, if we, me and Amira need to basically have an agreement about what happened to our relationship, but we can't do that if we can't even be in the same room together. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that should tell you all you need to know about how you treated her, (laughs) right? Like, how many situations have we been in? Like, if, how many situations have we been in that somebody just completely will not talk to you? How, it's bad. That's really bad. So while Andrew's pouting in the parking lot, they bring Amira on and she says that her heart is beating really fast because she's too afraid to see him. Swan asks, when was the last time you talked to Andrew? And Amira says the last time she had any contact with him was when she sent her ring back. And in addition to sending her ring back, she uh, sent gifts to his family, to him and his family. Nobody responded. Nobody said thank you. That was it. Sean asks what happened when he arrived in Mexico City. And Amira says, I got off the plane. Um... I went to, uh, went to immigration, gave them my passport. And according to her, the next thing she knew, she was in the back of a room of an airport and they told her, take off your shoes and give us your cell phone. And then they opened the cell door for her. She says she spent three nights and two days in that cell. Nobody gave her a reason for why she's detained. Yara thinks that's sketchy, that they didn't give her any reason for the detention. But everybody's like, well, it's Mexico. This is not, it's a very different situation. They don't really give a shit. Brandon and Jovi agree with Yara and they think it's sketchy. So at one point, Brandon, or excuse me, Jovi says, you know, I've been, you know, in a lot of what he says, sketchy countries and I've never been detained and they don't just detain you at random. Like there must have been a reason. And I'm thinking, okay, clearly Amira's father is has like a Middle Eastern heritage, um, which would lead me to believe that she probably, her last name is probably something Middle Eastern. We all know that post 9-11, it is not uncommon for people with Middle Eastern last names to get, you know, have to answer more questions to, you know, what have you, right? It happened on Shaz of Sunset where they had to take, they took all of them on the plane, off the plane, questioned them for hours and they ended up missing their flight. So why Brandon and Jovi are like, you know, these two like whitey white American guys are like, Oh, that didn't happen to us ever. So I just think it's weird that it would happen to her. It's like, fuck off. (laughs) Like for real. So then Amira says that there were only about five minutes between her getting released from that detention cell to getting back on the plane to France. And when she landed in Amsterdam, she says she didn't have any messages from Andrew. So everybody's like, what? Like he didn't hit you up at all. That's so weird. Rebecca says, if 
Zed had gone missing for three days or vice versa, my phone would be dead because he would have been blowing my phone up trying to figure out where I am. So then they ask her again and she says, oh, I barely had any messages. And so everybody's like, oh, well, isn't that something? You just said that you didn't have any messages and now it's barely. Like, oh, what if we ask you again? Maybe it'll be 10 messages or 20 messages. So they're mostly everybody now is on Andrew's side. Jovi's calling bullshit and everybody's like, okay, Andrew really needs to be here to say his side of the story. So another producer has to come outside and tells him, you know, the cast is asking for you. They really want you to come on stage. And so he gets out of the car, but then they're like, but Amira doesn't want to see you. So he's like, okay, well, I'm out then. And he ends up leaving. So Sean goes back to interviewing Amira and says, you know, after the situation in Mexico city where you got detained, why did you go to Serbia? And Amira says, I wanted to, I felt like I had to prove to him beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was in this relationship. I was invested that I was going to do it because in the past, my best was not good enough for Andrew. And I just felt like this would be the moment where I proved myself, but even then it wasn't good enough for him. So then she sheds a little bit more light on what happened in her last day in Serbia. She says that they had fought all day. Andrew told her that she needed to have kids as soon as she got to America. And that's what sparked to their fight. She's like, I want to have kids, but I don't want to have kids like that where I feel like I'm forced into the situation. And Tariq was like, oh, okay, like, I get it. Tariq and Rebecca were the only people who were consistently on Amira's side. And Rebecca tells Amira, you know, earlier, Andrew told all of us that you just didn't get, excuse me, that you just did get on the plane. And so basically, like, the way he said it, it made it sound like you were just like, oh, fuck off. Like, I don't want to be in this relationship. And and we're just like, okay, I'm going back to France. But you guys, even if all of this stuff sounds sketchy to you, wouldn't it be weird that she got detained in Mexico and then decided to do the two-week quarantine in Serbia? You don't think it's weird that just how it's practically impossible for me to believe that she would have gone through all that and just was like, Oh, at the very last minute was like, Oh, never mind. You know, like what, what would be the motivation for that? Why would you go through all of that shit for nothing? If you, if she knew that she was never going to be there in the first place, I don't believe that. I put everything on Andrew. We've seen how he's behaved. I don't know when they recorded this. Tell all how far into the season they were before they recorded. I'm not sure. But at this point, if you guys aren't on Amira's side, I don't know what to tell y'all. I really don't. There would have to be some like bombshell information that would change my mind. But I don't see how that's possible because all of the bullshit that she went through Clearly, something horrible had to happen for her to not get on that plane. So then Amira says that after she got back from Serbia, she noticed that he was back on the dating site. So it only took him a few hours to get back on the dating site. She knew it because she says that she and Andrew had each other's email accounts on the other's 
um, phone so they could ask access their email accounts. And she got a notification or she saw a notification from the dating site that she met him on. So then she reveals, you know, it took a long time for me, but I am in a relationship. I think this is Mr. Right. I think he's the one. And somebody's like, well, where is he from, Mira? She's like, well, he's from the U.S. And they're like, oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> okay. You guys are... Mm. <laughs> okay. So then they go for a break after Amira has been talking. And backstage, Brandon and Jovi are going back and forth about how there are holes in Amira's story, how, you know, they don't just detain people at random and yada, yada, yada. Fuck them. Fuck Brandon. Fuck Jovi. Fuck Julia. Um, Tariq, you're cool. I'm out. And that's the end of the season of 90 Day Fiance. Let's move on to Seeking Sister Wife. I have definitely had to work through a lot of jealousy and insecurities with my own self since Garrick and I started looking for a sister wife. I don't, I'm having a hard time talking about that because I feel like that's something I've worked through. <laughs> so, like, I don't want to like, go back to that spot. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's talk about Seeking Sister Wife. Oh, my God. Let's start with the Minions. So, you know, they got into a fight last episode. Next day, Vanessa and King Minion are in bed. And Vanessa's like, well, last night was a lot. Um, and I think that you, King Minion, and Kayla both have a lot of pride you bump heads. You don't want to back down. Ugh, I think you guys need to have another conversation. King Minion says he's not with all the ratchet and loud stuff that Kayla was doing. But it's also like, look within. Look within that thick body of yours and say, maybe I'm the problem. I feel like he's never done that before. To call her, like, loud and ratchet when she was just trying to express her feelings and the in the only way that she clearly felt like she could express it, ugh. Like, stop provoking her, maybe. Maybe stop provoking her and making her feel like everything in her life that she does outside of this home is not as important as her being the fucking chambermaid. Maybe she'll stop screaming at that point. Think about that. Vanessa tells him, you know, you need to be a little bit more softer in your approach and maybe that will cause Kayla to be more open and loving towards you in return. She's got the patience of a fucking saint. I could never. I would have, I mean, I wouldn't beat his ass because, you know, I, I couldn't, frankly, like, you know, you know what I mean. Theoretically, <laughs> I would beat his ass. <laughs> So Kayla comes back as she promised that night and King Minion tells her, you know, all I was trying to say is that you need to spend more time with the family. It's like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's any misunderstanding with that, but whatever. So he's like, that's all I want. So what do you want? And Kayla says, I just want you to not keep reminding me of certain mistakes that I've made. And then she's, she's giving him way more than he deserves. Frankly, she says, you know, I know that there are bigger issues. I know that there's a big mess to clean up there. I probably caused more issues by leaving last night, but there's only so much she can do to prove 
that she wants to make things better. And what she needs from him is to be patient and have faith in her. And that'll make the process more smooth. So then Minion says, okay, well, are you done working for the night? And she says, no, you know, I actually have to go back to work and, you know, I got to make it do what it do. And uh, King Minion's like, but for who? Why did you just agree to all of this if you're going to question her? (laughs) Kayla says, I, the work and the grind is important to me. And Minion is like, okay, well, is the grind, and he does in quotes, is it helping you? Because it's not helping the family and that the money that you're making is not doing anything compared to the presence that you have in the house. <sighs> Kayla says in a confessional, you know, my work is important to me. I'm in my mid-20s. Vanessa and Minion are older. They have established careers, so they don't really understand that I'm trying to attain certain things in my life, things that I want, and they don't get it. So King Minion says, you know, I'm going to give her ample opportunity to do the things that she promised she was going to do, but you're not giving her ample opportunity to do the things that she wants to do, which is better herself by having a job that she finds fulfilling. But okay, two claps for you, benevolent King. So King Minion alleges that he's going to try and meet Kayla halfway, but if she doesn't come around more, he doesn't know how it's going to work. A producer asked Kayla, do you think that there's anything that's unresolved? And she says, I think we're going to be fine. But she said it, like, you can tell that she, A, wasn't looking at the camera. B, wasn't looking at the person who asked her that. She's looking up into the ether, you know, and you can tell she does not believe what she's saying. It is a total, like, grin and bear it situation. And I feel sorry for her. Like, they hugged and kissed and it felt like she left her body like knock knock Kayla's not home and she's just doing it I honestly like I don't really know why she's staying I really don't Mm. all right let's move on to Sibian and Squeaky aka the Joneses guy liner ugh that man doing uh their whole scene was basically them like in their garden man sir do you have like an outfit other than like a black tank top tucked into some jeans that you got from like hot topic like it was was like if edward scissorhands took up farming that's exactly what he looks like um so COVID has hit them already. It hasn't happened with the other families as far as I can recall, but um, it they live in Idaho. So obviously TLC had to shut down production. And so the scenes that we see them are them like keeping up or catching us up on what is what happened when the production shut down. So basically what happened was rejection. <laughs> Um, Squeaky has gotten to the, you know, the trade of creating masks and she donated, I assume, I hope she didn't sell them. I don't think that's how it worked, but she donated 250 masks to her local post office so the workers can be productive. Good for her. You know, much like the early days of Manson, you know, everything was nice and free love and communal. 
you know, before all the shit went down. So this is like a, a pre-murder. <laughs> Y'all know I call her Squeaky From because I think she would be in a cult. If if she lived in the 70s or the 60s, I really think she would have been in a cult. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's a hot take. It's not a great take, but that's my truth. <laughs> and that's why I call her Squeaky for Squeaky From. So you know, what happens after that? So basically what I expected to happen was what happened. Remember last time we saw them, they had gone to a bar to like hunt for women who might join their uh, family. Um, you know, give, give Sibian more kids that you can name after Game of Thrones characters, I guess. And so they met Faith, the bartender. And she was like, it would be a bridge too far to say that she was totally down, but she was open-minded to the fact that they were polygamists and gave them their number and, you know, agreed to talk or go on a date, whatever. But like I said, exactly what I thought happened is what happened when the cameras were down and when she didn't feel pressured by the fact that they were on television, things happened. And she was like, you know, I don't really think that polygamy is for me. I I don't think I'm going to do it. So then what happened after that is that they met, someone else named Elena. We see pictures of Elena. She looks exactly what you would think she would look like. She's very like, I probably went to Bali and had, you know, a spiritual experience, even though I was there for four days and I rode an elephant and, you know, I swam in a lake and, you know, all, all the shit that white people do when they go to these countries and they think that they found themselves. Right. So things were going well. Um, what I thought was interesting is that Guy Liner said that Elena is around Squeaky's age. And by that, I took it as she's younger than Tasha Squeaky. Um, so they're talking about, you know, how great they went on a first date. It was great. The way that Guy Liner describes why the date was great was weird. He's like, you know, she laughed at everything I said and we just had a lot of conversation and it felt very passionate. I don't know why that rubbed me the wrong way. It just did. Um, then they tell the story and it seemed like Squeaky was a lot more excited about this little anecdote um, than Sibian was, even though he's the one who got the benefit from it. She was like, you know... um, Sibian um, asked me to leave and go to the car and they kissed. Isn't that wonderful? That's so great. I just love these moments. And, you know, I feel like they can do whatever they want. And Guy Liner says that, you know, is honesty is the deal breaker. That he can basically do whatever he wants. He can slang that little penis that probably has Guy Eyeliner on it um, to whoever he wants as long as he tells Tasha. Okay. If y'all like it, I love it. I don't love it, but you know what I mean. That's just the phrase. But then things get weird. And they said, you know, things were fine until the stay-at-home order was issued and they stopped talking to Elena as much. And I'm just wondering why. (laughs) If you had essentially probably more time to communicate with her, why didn't you? Why did that not happen? It was weird for me. I felt like that was a very non-answer to why things fell apart. But uh, Guy Liner says when the stay-at-home order order was lifted, they met up with Elena and we saw a, you know, self-shot footage of them 
getting rejected by Elena. <laughs> she basically was like, yeah, not for me. I don't think I can do this. Okay. So two rejections in the matter of, uh, you know, however many weeks Idaho had their stay at home order. And so they decided they're not going to let COVID get in the way of them finding a sister wife. So they're hitting the internet. The thing that they said that they weren't going to do because they preferred to meet people in real life. So congrats to you, Guy Liner and Squeaky. I don't know how this is going to work since you couldn't even keep up communication with somebody who lived in your own town when you had all the time in the world. So I guess we'll see what hell happens moving forward. So before moving on to Ashley and Dimitri, I just want to say... I started watching the show from season three and I thought, eh, I'm a little like whatever on watching seasons one and two, but y'all, woo! (laughs) I have thoughts. And before I talk about them, let me share my thoughts on the other couples from seasons one and two. First of all, I was watching season one and season one was much like the, you know, season one of every TLC show. It's like kind of that boring old school TLC vibe until I met the Brinies, specifically April. Woo! (laughs) What a hot mess. The moment that April, I mean, we, okay. So it's like April and Aura Lee and Aurora or somebody else who starts with an A. Angie, who's to say? Doesn't matter. Um, so I'm thinking like, okay, these people are pretty boring. And then Aura Lee, who like I kind of stand because she's like, I have a speech impediment, but I don't feel like telling people that. So I'm just going to tell people I'm Danish. <laughs> that was fucking tight. I love that. Aura Lee kept saying like, April's really manipulative. She always turns things around on us, blah, blah, blah. And like, maybe it was because I was like, you know, it's it's like a phone show for me because I was getting a little bit bored. So I'm texting and I'm tweeting as I'm watching it. And then April, woo, hits you with a fucking hammer. What a nightmare. What a nightmare that woman is. I am so glad that I went back to watch it. It was great. The moment she sat those women down, And told them that the reason why they weren't getting along is because they didn't give her one compliment a day. (laughs) Bitch. I'll be damned. Are you serious? The delusion. The delusion, you guys. Oh my gosh. And then they, you know, were living in that rented house and people were getting uh on to the fact that they were clearly polygamous and had called the person who they were renting the house from and so this whole time the husband's really like trying to play fair he's clearly in the middle of it because all the wives are coming to him about like how april's a fucking monster she's the first wife and he's trying to like grin and bear it through this whole thing until It gets to the point where, okay, so apparently they had this conversation like, okay, we're not stupid. We're going to be on this TV show. We know that millions of people are going to see this and we're going to be outed as polygamists, right? So we live in Utah and we need to all come to an understanding that we're probably going to have to move out of Utah. 
This was a predetermined conversation prior to them even deciding to film the show, right? So once he gets a call about how, from the the guy that they're renting from, and he's saying, oh, people are saying that you guys are polygamists. He's like, okay, we need to go. I think they wanted to move to Oregon. Uh, the two redheaded wives are like, we got it. Let's go. I'm ready to move. And April's like, oh, gosh, I really just, like, don't feel like it. So can I just stay here and you guys can, like, go and do your thing? Like, whatever. You know, like, I just really can't be bothered, you know? Like, I just, I don't want to do it. Like, maybe we can do it later um, or never or, like, you know, you guys are fine. Like, have a blast. And maybe we'll just revisit this in a couple months. And they're all looking at her like, are you fucking kidding me? And finally the husband's like, I am so sick of her. (laughs) Like, I told her she agreed to move. We all agreed that we were on the same page about this. And here she goes. Acting like this is going to inconvenience her in her life. Now, her thing, her excuse for this is that she has a child named Jasher. J-A-S-H-E-R. Okay. Um, You know, I'll move on to that because fortunately for old Jash here, um, his mom is much more of a mess that I don't even need to roast him for that stupid name. So her excuse is that her two oldest or their two oldest kids are in college. So she wants to stay to be close to them. So let's not talk about the other 15,000 children that she has and that they have as a family. She's trying to stay in Utah for these two kids that are adults. (laughs) Okay. Now, granted, the way the polygamy law was working in Utah at the time is that if you get caught in a plural marriage that the first, the legal wife does not get in trouble, but the husband and any of the extra wives get in trouble. So they could all potentially go to jail. So she clearly has no skin in the game. She's like, y'all are about to lock me up so I can do whatever the fuck I want. So (laughs) eventually they talk her into it by being like, both of the other wives were like, we can't leave without you. This would mess everything up. It would mess up our whole dynamic. It would really make things a lot more complicated. We don't understand why you're backing out at the very last minute. So they have to shower her with compliments. And then she's like, okay, well, I guess I will go. Thanks guys. (laughs) So I'm finding out like, why are these monsters not on season two? Because wow. Wow. (laughs) Come to find out they're not on season two because April was like doing the equivalent, the polygamous equivalent of I'm going to go out and get a thing of milk or some cigarettes and never came back. So apparently she took her kids, the kids that were staying at the home, told the rest of the family we're going on a hike and just never came back. Apparently they could not get a hold of her for months. Apparently this happened the first week of them filming and that they had filmed a whole bunch of scenes and that TLC decided not to air the footage. Why? Why? That sounds like golden television, golden information that we need. Why did they not air that shit? That is probably, aside from keeping counting on, the second worst decision that TLC has made. Truly. 
that sounds like my kind of carrying on and I want to see it. I want to see that shit. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So let's talk about the McGee's. And I guess I can't really, maybe I should save the McGee's because I have not finished season two, so don't spoil it for me. Like I know what happens after that season with the McGee's, but uh, I'll just, I'll just talk about what happened as far as I am. I think I have like maybe two episodes left. Okay. So the McGee's are the ones whose house burned down. So they live, they were living in a camper with their two sons for a year. They decided, uh, if we're going to bring another wife into the house, we probably can't bring her into a camper with four other people. So, they got a house in order to accommodate a potential new sister wife. Um, you know, the home, uh, what is his name? Bert? Bertie? Bert or something? He is a horn dog, but I kind of can't blame him <laughs> because Paige is a monster. She's an absolute horror show. Why? They set us up as like, oh, Paige is the one who woke up one day and said, I think we were called to be polygamists, right? I think that this is our destiny. And Bernie, Bernie, that's his name. Bernie, I want you to start finding a sister wife. Okay. So he goes online. Apparently he's doing some shicey shit behind her back of like talking to women and getting really like sexual with them and She's feeling some type of way. Okay, Paige, I will give you that. You can't start a dating profile about being polygamous and then only show pictures of yourself, Bernie. You got to include Paige in this too. <laughs> um, and secondly, you shouldn't be like talking to people that Paige has never heard of and doing horny stuff to them, you know, via text. Okay, two points for Paige on that. Here's where she loses me. So... They meet up with this chick named Brandy. Brandy's got a daughter named Bree. Everything's going well. They're so excited. They're telling their boys, we're bringing this wife or this woman and her daughter to come visit. Um, we're so excited. The kids are like, mm, okay, cool. Not super into this, but we support you, mom and dad. Brandy gets there. And... Paige is immediately like, mm, don't think so. Don't like this. Brandy is a lovely woman from what we see. 
Clearly, Brandy and Bernie have a lot of chemistry, and Paige is not happy. So they go and get their hair done. Why? Paige has about, I'm just going to guess, 20 inches of hair. And I would say um, 16 of those inches are uh, just her natural hair color of you know salt and pepper and the rest of it is blonde (laughs) why they went to that salon and she was like oh just curl my hair (laughs) ma'am either cut the blonde off or get it all done again why (laughs) curl okay um so she and you know brandy gets a little french braid you know just giving us polygamous chic and she gets her curls on that like dried fried and left to the side hair of hers and they're getting ready for their date and by their date i mean brandy and bernie so as soon as they get home brandy comes out in chico's finest so you know like a uh flow flowy top um you know javianas she's looking like a bad bitch from the midwest you know like like she would make you like a mean Mm, you know, uh, ambrosia salad or uh, coleslaw, you know, something in that area. Um, you know, <sighs> and Paige is feeling some type of way. She starts crying. The producers are like, Bernie, we think that you should talk to Paige because it seems like she's really emotional. Um, so if you could like heave yourself out of that tiny two seater, uh, you know, and, and talk to your wife. Paige is like, crying in the house leave me alone leave me alone just go on your date i don't want this talk to me and then she's talking about oh i just wish that they had just gone on their date and left me alone but when they leave on the date she's out in the front yard looking all wistfully at her cell phone so now they have to back out of that car to go play putt putt as she's you know doing her best uh all by myself moment in the front yard talking about she don't want to ruin their night and they should just go on on their date instead of paid attention to her okay so they go on their date things are great chemistry is you know popping bernie's really liking it uh i forgot to mention while they're getting their hair done brandy's like so where do you guys stand on intimacy what's the line here and brandy no Paige says you know, anything beyond kissing is, like, really not great. Okay? Brandy? And Brandy's like, mm, okay, well... She tells production, I just feel like any intimacy that Bernie and I have should be between us. And any intimacy that Bernie has with Paige should be between them. That's how I feel about Brandy's or Paige's uh rules on our intimacy so you know she was probably trying to bust it wide open in between filming before they got back to the house and i hope she did i really hope she did so after their date uh Paige is not talking to brandy not trying to talk to bernie she's like are you ready you guys ready to go home i think you guys should go home like i'm just getting really tired of you being here you fucking whore who slept with my man, even though she didn't? You're playing mini golf with my man? Get the fuck out of here? <laughs> Basically. 
could not have kicked her out and her daughter, her sweet daughter, out faster. So then it's the Paige show. And she is like, I don't really know if polygamy is for me. Now granted, Bernie <laughs> made this whole romantic dinner with flowers and candles and steaks, like a Flintstone-sized steak. And is like, I love you so much, baby. Also, I want Brandy to come back in about three days. And Paige is like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> I've been giving you the silent treatment and now you're gonna clog up my arteries and tell me you want that bitch back in my house? I'll be damned. Brandy comes back for about 18 hours, maybe 36. And Paige is just such a terror that she, Brandy's like, I'm not doing this. I, I'm not doing this. They have this conversation and Paige takes no responsibility. Uh, th this most passive aggressive conversation about like, if you fold my towels wrong, I'm just going to go after you and, and fold them the right way. Everything in this house has to be done my way. And you have to play by my rules. Okay. And I'm allowing you in this house to meet my children and meet my husband and clear but you know I want you to be here like I really want this lifestyle I really do they get into a fight that was not recorded but clearly Paige popped the fuck off on Brandy and Brandy was like deuces I don't give a fuck I'm taking my mid-sized SUV back to Kansas and y'all have a nice day and Paige <laughs> completely does not give any responsibility kicking this woman out of her house and making her feel uncomfortable and making her feel like she was not wanted when very much she was she's got her kids crying because they loved her so much Paige really ruined it and she has no <laughs> she's acting like it's all Brandy's fault you kicked her out girl you treated her like garbage love it I'm obsessed um, the thing that I need to talk about with Ashley and Dimitri Snowden, um, you know, I saw the Jocelyn of it all, how he slept with that 22 year old the first date, even though that was not the rules that they had set up. Saw that. Um, oh my gosh, that family that kept getting like catfished basically and kept getting left. So funny. So fucking funny. <laughs> Aldridge's. I mean, they get they get played by woman after woman. That Tanya Harding lady that they saw at Niagara Falls who faked um, a an appendix burst and also her death, even though <laughs> even though she was actively posting pictures from her vacation in Australia, and then somehow two days later she get they get a um, a message from her sister saying, "Oh, just so you know." Um, Jennifer died a week after her appendix burst. Now, granted, she was supposed to come to visit them after they visited her. The day she's supposed to go there, like the hour before he's supposed to pick her up, they get a text from her brother um, saying that her appendix burst. She's on. She's staying at this hospital. She's in the ICU on the third floor. So, of course, he calls. They don't have her name and they don't have an ICU on the third floor. So they're like, okay. <laughs> I guess that's it. So then a few weeks late, a few days later, they get a call that she, or a letter that she died as she's posting on Facebook. Uh, oh, that is 
funny to me. And then that other, like, weird Melina lady who was like, I have a really deep connection with you, Sharice, but not, you know, the man that I should be marrying if everything goes right and the other sister wife. Like, you're the only one that I like and I just want to continue our friendship with you. She also ghosted them. They went all the way to the airport. She didn't show up. Days later, she's like, oh, I'm actually in town again and I want to hang out with you guys and tell you that, uh... I don't really get along with two of you. So it's over. <laughs> now, granted the reason why she wasn't, she was blaming one of the, the other sister wife that she says she wasn't close with for not keeping in touch. Even though the woman had a horrific experience, she thought she was pregnant. She thought she was 12 weeks along. Come to find out it's a molar pregnancy, which meant that she had a tumor that was growing and her body was under the impression that there was a baby in there. So her stomach was getting bigger and she's thinking that she's pregnant and she's not. How awful. So then she had to have a surgery to remove the tumor and this bitch want to be like, you don't call me enough and that's why we're not close. (laughs) so she has to explain all this traumatic shit and she's like yeah but like i didn't know that at the time so like it's really kind of your fault (laughs) girl fuck out of here okay let me talk about ashley and dimitri Uh, i've seen a lot of things i've seen i went to lipstick alley which you know is not exactly uh, you know, one of the top of my sources for reliable information. However, I will share with you the gossip that I have seen so far on them. Um, shout out to you, Crystal. You told me that over in Indiana, Dimitri 10 years ago had been, um, sued for scamming a school because of, you know, like failure to provide services or something. Yikes. Um, but what I got from Lipstick Alley was that, um, Dimitri and Ashley are not legally married. One. Um, uh, there was a wife that they had prior to, uh, them filming the show. And the wife said that Ashley was trying to like be her sister's sister and it, in addition to her sister wife. And she wasn't down for that. And that Dimitri cheated a lot. Um, basically Ashley was like a bitch and Dimitri is a monster. And apparently, well, allegedly, a big allegedly on this, um, Dimitri has given Ashley some sort of sexually transmitted disease before. <sighs> I don't know if the alkaline diet's going to fix that, but okay. So then we meet Vanessa, aka not Meghan Markle, <laughs> because <laughs> truly everybody on the show looks like somebody else. <laughs> and she really looks like Meghan Markle. Um, Vanessa weird something about vanessa was very calculated like the first few episodes that we see her she's like i just don't want to say the wrong thing i don't want to mess this up i just want everything to be perfect and that's not how a healthy relationship works like it didn't seem like she was invested in really having them know the real her as much as she was like trying to enter this family being this perfect model of what she thought they wanted you know um that was very weird but again no spoilers because i have not finished season two yet so let me talk about ashley and dimitri this episode presently so crystalline went back to south africa 
here we meet Taylor from Atlanta. They go to one of those like overpriced, um, you know, buy some generic shape of something or a pet or a rocket ship or something and paint it. I think they were all like styrofoam. Wasn't even something that you could really keep. It seems like a real waste of money. Um, so they decide to go there because they go there. Apparently that's their spot for the kids. And Taylor's an artist. And <laughs> I can't imagine where somebody who I guess is a professional artist would want to go more than those like paint me mine places. <laughs> okay. Taylor's smitten. She's very horny. She says that she and Dimitri have a lot of chemistry and I just want to know what does this man have? Because I'm not seeing it. He seems like a dork, frankly. <laughs> and the only times we ever see them having these conversations, it's like they're constantly interviewing these women and they're not having natural conversations to like get to know them. It's just like, what do you want out of this? How do you see this going? Tell us about your best attributes. Tell us about your weakest moments. Like, are you a self-starter? Like, it's really like an interview. And I just don't understand how that all works. But um, what am I saying? Taylor seems really into him. Really into him. I also would like to say for my African-American People who listen to this podcast, I have a question. Like, white people, you can, you know, earmuffs for the next five seconds. Not a conversation for you guys. But I just want to ask, why is it that Dimitri and Ashley have such, like, impeccably, clearly, professionally done dreads and their kids look... You you know where I'm going with that. I, I just have questions. Like, their kids' dreads look like they have dreads because nobody touches their hair. Whereas Ashley and Dimitri's dreads are clearly, like, the expensive, well-maintained, moisturized, and their kids are out here looking wild. I just have questions. Anyway, um, Taylor's, you know, polygamy is new to Taylor, but she says a couple times in the episode that, like, I just was turned off by the idea of polygamy, even though I, um, like the idea of like an open relationship and I don't like feel that precious about a man being with just me. Monogamy is not really for me, but polygamy was a turnoff because I thought it was like kind of culty. And I, until I saw you guys and how you guys, um, navigate this relationship, I really wasn't feeling it, but like, I'm really feeling it now. And they have this conversation about Taylor gives him a compliment and is like, I kind of wouldn't be able to tell that you guys have been together for 10 years because your relationship seems like really fresh and really fun. And like, I like that. And Ashley's like, well, you know, we do have hard times. You know, there are times where I'm having tough conversations with him or we're having conversations that we've had 20 times before. Like it's not all, you know, um, nog champa and yoga poses for us right you know um and then it's like they just pick apart everything that taylor says i don't think that her saying that was a red flag she was giving them a compliment you know <laughs> granted i mean maybe it's a little bit naive but that's all i'm gonna give her that's it and i also say want to say that like they were all in on embracing crystalline but when it came to 
Taylor, it's like they had all these reservations. Like, Crystalline, I, I think it's literally just because she has kids that they, like, think she's so much better. I don't really get it. I, I don't understand what they saw was so great about Crystalline, but they've got all these concerns about Taylor. I really don't understand. Um, so then Taylor and Ashley go to one of those, you know, throw an axe at the wall and hit the target places. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, Taylor tells Ashley, I didn't know that polygamy could look like this until I saw you guys. And, you know, I do think that there were, are some cult aspects to this, you know, to polygamy. And Ashley says, well, there are, <laughs> there are cult like aspects to, um, this type of relationship and also any type of relationship. And Taylor's like, yeah, cool. But Taylor just wants to know about the dick. <laughs> so Taylor and Crystalline have their own relationship. They talk, they're friends with each other. So it's not like they don't know each other. They haven't met, but they seem to have like a, a relationship in which they are very close and speak often to one another. So Taylor says, you know, I want to know what the dick schedule would be. Okay. <laughs> I just, I need to know. So I, Taylor, like to have sex in the morning. So I'm figuring that we can, you know, we can get it in in the morning. Crystalline told me that she doesn't really like to make dinner. That's not really her thing. So I figured, you know, when it's dinner time, we can you know, they can have their moment. And then as we're cleaning for dinner, like, you know, in her words, Dimitri can put you to bed. And I'm thinking, damn, Ashley's got to have the third wave of sex in a day. You're expecting this man to have sex three times a day, every day. No, <laughs> every day. How old is he? He's like, what, 39? I mean, I don't think he can be pumping like that all the time every day girl this is the the hopeful optimism of a woman in her 20s i'll tell you that right now <laughs> um and also like pff, ashley's the one who gets the the last uh, he's probably giving out pumping out dust at the end at the end of it and falling asleep on her halfway through i mean you can have the scraps basically like i'll take the first round and then you guys can just have whatever is left okay um so ashley explains to her this like alkaline diet and how sexual intimacy doesn't happen until there's a commitment that's been made until he's like proposed or whatever and also after this diet you guys you cannot change your ph by diet alone <laughs> you cannot do that it's not possible and also, uh, their reasoning, they bought this up in season two, is that they're all supposed to, like, get on the same pH. And that way, um, Dimitri uh, doesn't give them yeast infections. Um, is he not washing his dick between sessions? Like, that seems like a pretty simple solution. Just put some soap and warm water on the situation. Call it a day. Like... Unless you guys are all planning on having sex at the same time, raw, y'all feel me? Because <laughs> I don't understand how 
this happened in season two, which it was in 2019. And you're telling me in 2020 that you don't still know this. What do you mean? What do you mean? Gross. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Anyway, um, that was basically it. Ashley says that they can kiss, but any sort of other bodily fluids being exchanged and excessive, you know, like roping, canoodling, you know, hand stuff is out. And that was the end of them. So let's go, oh God, go back to Mexico <laughs> with Joel Osteen, Roberta, and Danielle. Oh my God. So when we left Danielle, she was crying. And when we pick up on on Danielle she's still crying walking around that resort in Mexico looking like the before in a commercial about uh you know depression you know what I mean you know those commercials that were it's like you know mommy can't go paint with you right now honey because I'm depressed but after I take some Latuda everything's fine that's she looks like the before um Danielle says she's had to work through a lot of jealousy and insecurities with herself since she and Joel started looking for a sister wife uh yeah you don't have to tell us that girl you're still working through it clearly um and then she says you know like I'm even having a hard time talking about it because I just felt like I worked through all of that and I just don't want to go back to that space you have not worked through that and Danielle that's okay but also Danielle Tell him. I don't think he cares, but you should at least tell him. Um, She is as far into her her insecurities as she could possibly be. She's acting like she's over it. You're not. Because look at you. Crying in an open air hallway. (laughs) I mean, Garrick hates her so much. It's... He hates her. (laughs) And it's so blatant that it feels like you know how often you know you know we hear these stories about a couple who goes on a vacation or they take a cruise and then the wife ends up missing that I feel like we're in the beginning stages of that it really feels like that um so then we see a screen that says that Garrick Jolosine overheard Danielle's interview from his room. So he and Roberta go to their room. This is actually awful. Okay. He should have gone. If he cared that much about her insecurities, you don't bring the chick that is causing all of these insecurities. Not that I'm saying it's Roberta's fault. I'm just saying if you cared about your wife 
in that moment, you would have had a conversation with her one-on-one. You wouldn't bring this chick to be smiling in your face and be like, sweetie, are you okay? Oh my God, are you so upset? Are you feeling insecure? Like, ew, he hates her. (laughs) He hates her. Having to watch Danielle talk about her insecurities into this translator app so Roberta could understand what she's saying. Bitch, disgusting. Disgusting. Danielle says, you know, I have insecurities about Joel leaving me for somebody he might like better. And, you know, I just wish he would reassure me that that wouldn't happen. Why has that not happened before? You've never had this conversation? He has never once told you. That he's not going to leave you for somebody else? You don't wonder why that might happen, Danielle? Hello? Okay. So Roberta says, you know, we should work to keep the past in the past and look towards a brighter future. And, you know, if, if, uh, sister, sister, if, if Garrick didn't love you, he wouldn't be here right now. No, no, he doesn't love her. And the only reason he's there is because producers probably knock on their door and like, let's make a minute a moment out of this and go comfort your not even wife since you divorced her. (laughs) Um, wild, wild. Honestly, he's probably getting his rocks off hearing her cry outside the door. It's probably an, Oh no sister crying in the hallway situation as he's pounding Roberta's smashing her cakes to smithereens. Ugh. So we see them the next day and Joel says, you know, Um, Danielle stayed in her room last night, so me and Roberta were able to have some quality, passionate, um, cuddling and intimacy time that we much needed. He's talking about Danielle as if she's, like, their child who is afraid to sleep in her bed alone or is afraid of the dark or something. So, finally, he was able to be with Roberta. Thank God. Roberta says that le- that last night was good and they hardly got any sleep and they didn't even go out to dinner. They ordered some room service so they could stay in and things got hot, hot, hot. And it was amazing. Ugh. I, I don't believe that. Because <laughs> here's why I don't believe that. I, Danielle, whew, how else do I say this? Danielle has the confidence of a woman who has not had good dick in her whole life. (laughs) She gives me, like, somebody who, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Danielle says she's never had an orgasm. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it's, it's a vibe. It's a vibe that she's giving off. But anyway, and so I, and plus I feel like, I don't know. I mean, maybe Garrick is so evil. It's possible that he was saving all those like quality strokes for somebody that he actually liked. (laughs) That could also be true. Um, So Danielle says, you know, after all the motion of emotions of the day before, like it was really hard to sleep alone. And then later we see them go on a camel ride and then a, like a lunch and tequila tasting situation. And Joel says, you know, he hopes that Danielle and Roberta can have some positive time together because he wants, you know, their sister relationship to grow. So they're going on this beach walk, you know, they're riding the camels. And Danielle says in a confessional, you know, as we're riding the camels, like Roberta looks like uh, Jasmine and, 
and Garrick looks like Aladdin, and I guess that leaves me to be Abu. The monkey. (laughs) Now, I'm a black, so I'll be damned if I'm sitting here calling myself a monkey, but damn, you're going to relegate yourself to the little kleptomaniac monkey? You couldn't even be the tiger? You couldn't even be Aladdin? I mean, um, the ma- genie? <laughs> the monkey girl? <laughs> damn. I'll be damned. Oh my god. She was laughing a little too hard at that joke that she made about herself. Whew. Okay, so after the camel ride, they go and sit down for lunch. And I noticed that as they're sitting down, it's like they have, you know, like they're sharing plates, right? So I noticed that... Not once did he say, Danielle, do you want this? Do you want that? It's all Roberta. Do you want some rice? Do you want a quesadilla? Do you want these ribs? Like, are you okay? And he's like lifting the uh, the um, plates so she can get her stuff. And he's like helping her serve to the best of his ability. Did not ask Danielle if she wanted a damn thing. And then gets worse. Okay. So they start the tequila tasting and the guy introduces the first tequila and he says it's called the baby maker. Joel points to Danielle and says, none for her. And then points to Roberta and says, give her all of it. (gasps) Oh, oh, damn. He is having the time of his life. He is pleased as punch. Pleased as punch to say, give her none of the tequila and give Roberta everything. Every little drop. Sick. (laughs) He's sick. And I'm laughing because it's just so egregious. It's not funny. It's just like blowing my mind how he treats her. Golly. Um, So... Roberta then gets a little bit awkward. She gets a little quiet and she says, you know, like, I'm not hungry. And then in a confessional, she says, you know, now's the time before we get married to put everything out in the open. So then Roberta uses a translator app on the phone, says what she has to say, and Danielle reads it. And it says, sister, I need to tell you something. And I didn't tell you because I didn't know if it would hurt you or not, but we need to talk. So then... She tells Danielle about how she and Joel had a little quickie as she was gathering her things to go um, have their little slumber party that first night. So Danielle looks up from the phone and is like, wait, you guys had sex? (laughs) And Joel laughs and he's like, yeah, we did. (laughs) And Danielle's like, great. Great. So in a confessional, Danielle says, you know, I expected them to be intimate. I expected them to have sex with each other, but I'm just like a little taken aback by when it happened. Yeah, me too, Danielle. Me too. So then Danielle says, you know, I'm just kind of trying to like replay that night in my head. And I'm thinking about how Roberta said that intimacy really wasn't that important to her this time and how she really, um, you know, wanted to spend time as a threesome 
for lack of a better term, because they hadn't seen each other for so long. Like, Roberta had, I guess, presented it to her as like, oh, I want us to all spend this time together because we're not going to be with the kids and we haven't seen each other. And like, you know, the priority is for us to all, you know, come together and not, I'm not so focused on the sex. Why is Danielle blaming Roberta? Okay, question of the day. Why is Danielle putting this on Roberta? I don't know. Because it, did you put in the translator that I was the one screaming, oh no, sister be back while your husband was inside of me? Maybe you should um, blame uh, Joel Osteen over here. So then Danielle says, you know, I to a confession, in a confessional, not to them. I feel like, I kind of feel like I was lied to and they didn't actually want me to be there first night, that first night. And I wish I would have just been alone. And it's like, yeah, of course they didn't want you to be there. <laughs> If they wanted you to be there, you would have just shared a hotel room. If they wanted you to be there, you wouldn't have planned before you got there to be by yourself every single night, as Joel told you. Yeah, girl, of course they didn't want you to be there. It could not be more obvious. He doesn't even want you to enjoy yourself and have a little tequila. Because he's trying to get um, sister knocked up. Of course he didn't want you to be there. Girl. Girl. <laughs> Like, I'm on your side, but also, you know, let's call a thing a thing, Danielle. Um, then, of course, she starts to cry again. But when she tells Roberta and Joel at the table, she's like, oh, that's good. Like, it's good that you guys had sex. Great. Okay. 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 If that's how you want to play it, Danielle. <sighs> that's how you want to play it. Um, in a confessional, uh, homeboy says, you know, I'm part of a plural relationship and part of that is the intimacy and Danielle shouldn't take it as something malicious. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be true if you weren't like trying to get, get it in, in the minutes before, like you're acting like you're so inconvenienced by her. Ugh, God, I hate him. <laughs> I hate him so much. And it's not even like, I don't even want to put all the onus on Danielle for not saying anything. She is responsible for that. But also like, how long have you guys been married, Garrick? You know, I know that he's seen her cry multiple times. I know that he, you know, he's got to be able to pick up on the fact that she might feel some type of way. He's got to. And so to act like this is all on her is like bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. Um, Danielle says the reason why she didn't say anything to them in that moment is because she didn't want to say anything that she hadn't thought through. And sure, if you want to be intentional in the things that you say, great. But also, you shouldn't be saying good and great when things are neither good nor great. Okay. <laughs> Um, so then Joel takes the phone and he tells Danielle, but he's like translating it to Roberta, you know, um, I think it's time for me to have Roberta all to myself for a special trip tomorrow. And, you know, I've got a little surprise for her and, um, also Roberta, you need to bring like a sexy little Brazilian bikini 
you know, like it, just like small as possible. And I'm going to take you on the most romantic, you know, bachelor style date of your life. Um, so Danielle, can you maybe use that time alone to do some work for me? Excuse me, bitch. And so Danielle's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so not only does she have to be alone while they're, you know, making sandcastles and kissing all over Cabo San Lucas, <laughs> she has to work for him. <laughs> I'll be damned. I will be damned. Danielle says to production that she's heard that Joel is prioritizing Roberta over her and also over the fact that she is hurt. Like, I know he can tell that I'm feeling that way, but he's prioritizing Roberta all the same. So then Garrick says, you know, even though I can tell Danielle's upset, I need alone time with Roberta and I'm not going to feel guilty about that. Mm. (laughs) Well, you should, you dumb bitch. Okay. That's the end of Seeking Sister Wife. All right, you guys, a a note from the editor, if you will. Um, Sister Wives was such a banger, such an emotional (laughs) situation that I feel like I would not be doing it justice by tacking it on to the end of this. So on Thursday, you guys will hear my thoughts on the season finale of Sister Wives because wow, wow. So sorry to have you waiting but damn, it truly deserves its own moment. So with that, you guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you.